I just don't know why young people complain about having to wear condoms against HIV virus and AIDS. Look what we had to put up with. I called it Geronimo, my friend. Compared with the condoms of today, it was like wearing the inner tube of a cycle. It wasn't disposable like the modern condoms. It was designed to be used again and again. <laughs> it was like having a bath with your socks on, but it never stopped me in no way. This is our Everest. Greetings, culture vultures, and welcome to This Is Our Everest, the analogue television podcast that recently caught COVID-19 on an essential work trip to Barbados. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's all right for you. Nobody follows your account on Twitter. (laughs) Yes, but you, you could argue that nobody listens to this podcast. So also fair. So you know, who knows? I'm just not sure that this. I, I approve of this new biting satirical edge. Well, get used to it because I'm on fire. A stranger lies dead in Arlington Grange. There are six suspects, but which one is the killer? Could it be Mrs. Peacock, Lady of the Manor, and beautiful society hostess? Perhaps Colonel Mustard military hero and intimate family friend. Is Reverend Green a saint or sinner? Is it Professor Plum, a man with a degree of suspicion? Miss Scarlet, Mrs. Peacock's glamorous stepdaughter? Or Mrs. White, loyal housekeeper and devoted confidant? This week, we have been watching a curio from the... uh early 1990s television canon, a period in which I was young and impressionable individual. We've been watching Cluedo. Yeah. Which was an ITV panel game show for celebrities mm. that ran between 1990 and 1993. Yeah. I mean, I presume this was on prime time. I can see it slotting into their uh, schedule at seven o'clock in the evening quite comfortably. I watched this when it was first on. It completely passed me by. Well, you've missed out. Um, well, well, you know. We'll get into that. We shall, we shall see. Uh, this is the first episode from the second series, which uh, was first broadcast on the 24th of April 1991. It's the first episode with a new host. The first series was presented by James Bellini. Mm-hmm. But this this series was presented by Chris Tarrant. The third and fourth series were presented by Richard Maidley. Okay. Who obviously was approached to take over hosting duties when he appeared as a guest, one of the celebrity guests. Oh, right. Okay. On the final episode of this series because Chris Tarrant hated this programme. Did he? Yeah, he said it's the worst thing he's ever done. Really? 
It took forever to make. We had to turn the studio audience over so they didn't get bed sores. Right. Was Chris Tarrant's verdict. I think Chris Tarrant suggesting anything is the worst thing he's ever done. He's a high bar. Yeah. Before we get into the meat of this, you'll be excited to learn that we've got another letter. Oh, no. Dear Edward and Ian... Just writing to tell you how much I enjoy your podcast. Well, it was very nice. I especially like the ducks, they're geese. I was hoping you'd be able to help me. My cousin Simon Charles was recently found murdered at Arlington Grange, a stately oh, home. Sake. The police can't tell me where his body was found, nor anything pertaining to the means of his death, because for whatever reason they haven't been called. Although Michaela Strachan was. All I have is a list of six suspects, each with varied but equally strong motives for having committed the crime. No, nobody, nobody seems to have even looked at the body to see how they might have been killed. I mean, you don't, know, you don't even have to be a fucking policeman to do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, if I, I could take one look at that body, I know nothing. I've never even seen a dead body not in my entire life. Okay, I could take one look at that body and I could rule out or rule in automatically the knife, the lead pipe. In fact, I think any of them. Whichever oh, I, ones I, I, they I, are, yeah. the pipe. There is a, like a metal yeah. pipe, isn't there? You know? it, it's it's a, an ebony ruler, but I do I get your point. Yeah, but you know, I, I don't understand why they're looking for that. <laughs> and, yeah. and and also why they're trying to identify which room he was killed in. Well, that's yeah. I mean, <laughs> because it was the fucking room they found the body in, you idiots. What yeah, the hell are you talking about? That is usually the way it works. Anyway, to just to finish the Sorry. to finish the letter, please, please, could you help me find out what happened? He owes me a hundred and eighty-three thousand pounds. Right, yours. Orman Gabner. Well, Mr. Gabner... That's the same person as last week. <laughs> well, we don't have a lot of listeners. <laughs> Is he killed his wife? Because I'm sure <laughs> that she was... I'm sure yeah. that she was a co-signer on the letter last week. Well, yeah, she was. Chickadee. So, yeah, so I'm saying it was Orman Gabner in his house <laughs> with a snooker ball in a sock. There you go. Anyway, yeah, Cluedo. It's based, <laughs> as you may... Be, you're going to be stunned, ladies and gentlemen, to to learn that it's based on the Waddington's board game mm. of the same name, Cluedo. Yeah. Our American listeners might know it as Clue. Yes, they they would. But it's all the same. It's all the same business. It must have. I mean, the original Cluedo game must have come out in the what 20s 30s no later than that in fact oh right because i reckon it was inspired obviously by yet agatha christie's it was originally titled murder uh, it was created by a musician called anthony e pratt in 1944 okay. oh, but right, it okay. didn't hit the shelves until 1949 because of wartime shortages made it difficult to produce what is essentially a completely ludicrous, feckless waste of time. It's a very strange conceit. And, 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 I mean, the way that I kind of frame it to myself is that this is a parallel universe in which this is how justice is dispensed. Yeah, I quite like it 
especially because there doesn't seem to be any comeuppance. <laughs> yeah, you do away. You do away with the police. Yeah, yeah. And you cut straight to the jury. You cut straight to the jury, and the jury are all celebrities. Yeah. So I was looking at the uh, list of all the episodes on Wikipedia this evening, and there's quite an array yeah. of celebrity guests who were the the detectives. It's got a, a very peculiar feel to it. The whole thing, the whole conceit has got a very peculiar feel to it from the outset. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. Okay. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Well, then. I really enjoyed it. In fact, if you're trying to damage me psychologically through making me watch these TV programmes, I enjoyed it so much that it was almost just a full reset for me. I was like, oh, I feel, I feel, I felt good by the end of it. I, I, because I, first of all, I did figure out who it was and where and when quite quickly. Yeah, well, that's pretty good. And they, they just. I, well, the other thing that I really enjoyed about it, and this taps into with you know what you were saying about all the guests, yeah. yeah. What you were saying is that the cast were having an absolute fucking whale of a time. Oh, absolutely! I mean, um, absolutely overacting all David over. David McCallum said that he said that he quite enjoyed doing. He only did the one series of it. In fact, the cast changed every series. And he yes. said that he quite enjoyed doing it. It was sort of slightly, yeah. slightly pantomimed, and you know, yeah, no, yeah. fair enough. Climb the walls, chew the sets. Yeah, no, that was all over it. That was written all over it. Look, Rula Lenska holding that little tiny gun up to her <laughs> mouth. Yeah, blowing the top of it. I bet they really enjoyed doing it, and I, I have no doubt whatsoever that that's why they got the caliber of guests that they got. Of course, as well as that, as well as the. Um, inserts with the the drama and the and the clues being established you then have all of them as a, a as a panel to be cross-examined in the studio and you can see they're still having a great time yes yeah 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 even then yeah now are you aware of the program who done it i know the name who done it is basically this but right it doesn't have you know the cluedo tie in as a framing device. Oh, okay. right. Who done it was I believe it was an ITV show. Uh I I wrote down that it's a BBC show, but I found an episode of it on YouTube, as is my want, and mm. it had a break in the middle, which would definitely suggest ITV. Uh ITV between nineteen seventy two and nineteen seventy eight, forty eight episodes of that. So we Okay. Combine that with the twenty-five episodes of Cluedo, and you—you you know, you've got a night in already. A weekend. Who done it was a Jeremy Lloyd and Lance Percival production, okay. and it was presented variously at different times by Shaw Taylor, Edward Woodward, and John Ooh. Pertwee. Oh, nice. So I've got a... Right, okay. So I've got a good idea of what the tone of that was. Well, the interesting been. thing about... I, what, the episode that I watched was presented by Edward Woodward. Uh, okay. And on the panel, there were, uh, I think, a panel of four celebrity guests. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fairly similar in terms of format. Were Shaw Taylor and John Pertwee. And John Pertwee's thinly veiled contempt for the whole thing. Well, it was... I mean, there's thin and there's thin. 
okay. it, it was interesting that he actually went on to present this program. Yeah, such yeah. such was his obvious disdain for the whole business. However, you've got no framing device in terms of of the characters. So you've got different characters every time. You've got different locations, different situations. Mm-hmm. It's more of a freestyle thing. You're actually af- having to pick up on clues, whereas with Cluedo, it's quite prescriptive. In it's going to be in one of these rooms, and it's quite yeah. easy to narrow things down and eliminate stuff, like it is in the game Cluedo. Yeah, it wasn't a brand new idea for a television program. Yeah, yeah. But I actually prefer Cluedo because it's got this framing device because everyone's played Cluedo yeah, and yeah. and also you get the faintly ludicrous fact that you know you've got six suspects every week you've got six episodes in every series apart from the first series every one of them gets to be the murderer <laughs> right, okay yeah yeah um the first series Reverend Green didn't do any murders but in every other series, I believe, it was shared out equally. I think that's great. The other thing I like about Cluedo, compared with Who Done It, is that the murderer at the end of Cluedo gets to give their little valedictory speech, yes. outlining the reasons for what they did. Whereas in Who Done It, the perpetrator just sort of stands up yeah. and grins, gurns for the camera. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was, which again. Great, great fun. And the thing is, it would be really easy for them to to go too far into the slapstick and start pulling faces and stuff like that and start really, you know... Oh, yeah. They're good actors that they've got up there to play them all. You know, they haven't gone for, a, you know, any old shit. They've got fucking David McCallum. They, they have. And we, we, should, we should talk about the, the cast because, as I say, for each series... A completely new cast, yeah, to play each of the characters. And yeah, like I say, I reckon there would have been people queuing up to do it. There's some big names this season, season two. Mrs. Peacock is Ruler Lenska. Michael Jaston is Colonel Mustard. Richard Wilson is the Reverend Green. Have you got anything to say? I don't believe it. Well, believe it because it, he was. I do believe it because I saw it. I, I watched the program earlier this evening. David McCallum was Professor Plum. Koo Stark, Miss Scarlet, and Mrs. White. Played by Molly Sugden. Now come on. <laughs> Fans of our multiple appearance klaxon are going to be riven with excitement because that two people, it just in that cast who've appeared 
in previous episodes. Molly Sugden has now appeared in more episodes of things that we've watched than anyone else. This was her Good. fourth appearance. Um, Good. Richard Wilson and indeed Chris Tarrant were making their second bow. I think they'll all be back as well. Obviously, you, you've got recognisable types for each character. You so you you know you've got Peacock. You need a sort of matrician, respectable, influential type. Plum yeah. needs to be the in, intellectual, eccentric, scatterbrained. Yeah. Mrs. White is the doughy, loyal, gossipy but discreet housekeeper. The fun that they must have had in casting these things, but it's just inestimable. I, I think out of all the seasons, season three had the most stellar cast. You cannot pick a single weak link. Mrs. Peacock, Susan George, Colonel Mustard, Lewis Collins, Reverend Green, Christopher Biggins, Professor Plum, Tom Baker, yeah. Miss Scarlet, Lizette Anthony, yeah, oh, Mrs. White, Pam Ferris. Where, where? I mean, there's, there's no fat on that at all. No, it's none fantastic. at all. That's, that's an astonishing cast. I mean, have you seen the cut scenes of Tom Baker playing Professor Plum in Cluedo? No, I they haven't. are amazing. I will see if I can find them. I imagine that he played it several feet above the ground. The season forecast actually is is pretty interesting. Joanna Lumley played Mrs. Peacock. Okay. Nicholas Parsons played Reverend Green. Well, I mean that's nailed on. Yeah. John Bird was Professor Plum. Jerry Hall was Miss Scarlet, which I think was stretching the young ingenue maybe a little bit too far. Uh, Liz Smith was Mrs. White, the inestimable Liz Smith, but. Top of the heap, Colonel Mustard, Leslie Grantham. Oh god! Oh lord! (laughs) (laughs) You can't, you can't beat that. I mean, I said last week uh, that Kate O'Mara was in it, and she was in the Christmas special. There was one Christmas special: Kate O'Mara, Derek Nimmo as Reverend Green, Ian Lavender as Professor Plum. Okay. Toya Wilcox Uh. as Miss Scarlet. Oh no! Joan Sims. As oh, well. Mrs. White. They should have had Joan Sims as Miss Scarlet. There, I said it. <laughs> yeah, well, why not? Yeah. I mean, look, if you're going to have Jerry Hall, you can have anybody. You know, yeah. you might as well have Bernard Breslau. Should we just take, we're going to take a quick advert break there because I want you to go and get your phone because I've just found the Tom Baker being Professor oh, Plum and I, I want a live reaction video to it. It's only, it's only, it is. Oh, oh my God, I've got it. Got sound going. It's only thirty seconds long, so I want a, I want a little car to react. Little, <laughs> new little channel, snippet. yeah, new, new YouTube new channel. We're going to be starting up. This is the first week that I haven't had my phone in here, and therefore inevitably I was going to need my phone. Well, duh, uh, duh. Right, I'm going to go and get it. <laughs> Right then. Live YouTube reactions. Yeah. 
it's quite a bit. I mean, it's quite a big market these days. So we might be onto a winner here. Yeah, I know. Right? Is it? I mean, it kind of needs a bit. I, I will find a way of. Oh Lord Jesus Christ above! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, what are you supposed to? What are you supposed to do with, with when you're acting alongside Tom Baker? I have no idea. Well, what's he even dressed like? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Christ alive! So, so, look, I told you it was worth it. It's actually incredible. from a tweet, so I'll stick a link to the tweet. That's incredible. I mean, it's incredible. I'm, actually, I mean, if nothing else, I'm impressed at how tall Tom Baker is. Who knew? Yes. Yeah, no, he's quite, he's quite. Actually, I, I saw a picture of him standing next to, um, oh, what's his face? Uh, oh, uh, Andre the Giant, the Scottish bloke who played Doctor Who, David Tennant. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the cast. I don't. I mean, I don't know about you. I immediately set about the idea of who I would cast in my dream absolute dream oh ah being alive is no object <laughs> cast okay right I came up with Carmen Munro as Mrs Peacock that's um okay the wife from Desmond <laughs> okay yeah right Colonel Mustard Sid James obviously right Reverend Green Gordon Kay. Interesting. Okay, Miss Miss Scarlet. Oh, here we go. It's got to be Selma Hayek. Oh right, I've, I'm surprised. I thought yeah, yeah well. I thought you were going to say Lisa Tarbuck. Well, no. I mean, actually, Lisa Tarbuck would be a good Mrs. White, <laughs> wouldn't she? But for Mrs. Yeah. White, I put Patsy Byrne. But I'm going to cross that out and write Lisa Tarbuck uh, and Professor okay. Plum, Peter Butterworth. <laughs> You're a fucking idiot. But you know I'm right. Peter Butterworth playing a professor. Well, I think... Well, I mean, look, Tom Baker played a professor. Yeah, but... He's got that eccentric, highly strung, intellectual... Peter Butterworth. Yeah, I mean, Peter Butterworth doesn't necessarily (laughs) scream intellectual, does he? You fucking idiot. The uh, We should should touch briefly on, on the celebrity guests, Yeah, I suppose... Uh, Sally Whitaker and Matthew Kelly on Team I One. I have infinite time for Matthew Kelly. Always, always, always a pleasure to see always Matthew Kelly. infinite time for Matthew Kelly. He is definitely in my top five people off the telly of all time. I'm using that as a broad catch-all for like actors, TV hosts, presenters. You know, just people off the telly. And he 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 is he is definitely in my top five. Team two: Michaela Strachan and John McArdle from Brookside. I've got, I've got more time than I should let on for Michaela Strachan. I'm sure you have. <laughs> where do where do you stand on Michaela Strachan's outfit? Because she really was persisting with the wearing the hat indoors. Well, I mean, it seemed to me like she might be going straight from a recording of that to a recording of the Hitman and Her. Because she was certainly dressed for it, and she's also wearing a, a sort of black kind of plastic bow tie, rain plastic raincoat, yeah, and, and a matching plastic bow tie, kind of right in the middle of her. Yeah, yeah. If, I mean, Michaela Strachan in nineteen ninety one was a force to be reckoned with. 
Yeah, I mean that. that just, was... uh, just have a have a quick commercial break while we think. That was that. definitely my opinion. <laughs> we'll be back in approximately eleven minutes. <laughs> Takes you that long? Well, I okay. suppose you, you know, you. I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> um, so you've got the rooms. There are six rooms in the board game. There are nine rooms, but obviously they're trying to simplify. Yeah. I've got to get this done in half an hour. Yeah. Uh, and there are six weapons. The weapons this week were a tenderizing mallet. Yeah. Ebony ruler, sharpening steel, rat poison, red scarf, which you know going to get Miss Scarlet in all kinds of trouble that an antique gun which as you pointed out was like a sort of gun that you get out of a Christmas cracker yeah it was the smallest gun I've ever seen I would suggest if you manage to murder anyone with that good luck the guests have to watch the action find out you know what's going on find out everybody's motive for uh, dealing a, a fatal blow to this investment banker Simon Charles, who's a bit of a dick. Yeah. And then they have to narrow down the room, they have to narrow down the murder weapon, and they have to find the killer. It's reasonably simple, but it's so good-natured, I think. Uh, Mm -hmm. Matthew Kelly was having the time of his life. Matthew Kelly gave me the impression that he could happily do that forever he had like some sort of grid out didn't he he was like, oh, he, he was, was he all was over it he going, wanted... going full forensic i'm surprised that when wasn't up there giving trying to give molly sugden a mouth swab now the case simon charles he's uh mm. he's been murdered he was found by mrs white which could have been a clue the thing i particularly liked about this one feature of Who Done It is the studio audience were encouraged to fill in a little card as well as all the nice. uh, all the guests and the person who got the most clues and the correct answer won a prize and the pr- the prize was actually something that you'd seen in the reconstruction nice so, so somebody i think somebody i think at the one i saw they took a tape recorder but I think that they possibly this episode of Cluedo takes audience participation a bit too far because halfway through part two, there was a technical breakdown. Yeah. Never get involved in commerce, my dear. But I got involved. Fortunately, there was a way out for me if I was short of cash. Well, we apologise for the loss of Cluedo. We'll try and get back the programme as soon as we can. We apologise for the loss of Cluedo. We're trying to get back to the programme as soon as we can for you. In the meantime, here's some more music. We haven't had a technical breakdown yet in any of the programmes we've watched on on, uh, YouTube for this series. And I was kind of pleased to see one because 
I think people who watch TV now don't know. They they don't know anything, do they? Really? Yeah. I mean, all right. Okay. Well, I was watching this episode of Cluedo with my ex-wife. So called Cluedo. So called Cluedo, as far as she's concerned. <laughs> uh, and um, when it got to the bit where there was a breakdown for like a couple of minutes, I was just like, oh yeah, this sort of thing used to happen. It used to happen a lot. She had zero comprehension. She is, ten, like I say, 10 years younger than me, almost exactly 10 years younger than me, and she has zero comprehension of the fact that that shit used to happen all the time. And I'm sure it used to happen in America as well. Well, yeah, but there'd probably you know, be legal ramifications. There'd be lawsuits. No, just a bit of music and some bloke going, yeah, sorry, TV's broken. And it used to happen... All of the time. All the fucking time. There were never any guarantees. Never any guarantees. This particular example of it came at an absolutely crucial stage in the second set of evidence. Yeah, and they didn't stop and rewind, did they? Fortunately, I'd already figured out who it was by then. They didn't stop and rewind. And of course, in 1991, unless they repeated it, maybe, one day. That's your lot. That's your lot. shit. (laughs) You'll never know. You will never know. Yep. There's no on-demand. There's no way that you can find out at all. And it was interesting because it cut away just after Mrs. White had revealed that she'd invested all of her life savings with Simon Charles. And it, it, cut- it was as soon as as soon as she said that, I was like, "It's her then," because yeah. she's losing her job, her house. And she's lost all her savings. So she is the one with literally nothing to lose. Yeah. It's her. It's obviously in the kitchen because she pretended to have found the body. Yeah. Or claimed to have found the body. And if she lost all her money to this bloke, he probably would have gone down there to talk to her about it or something like that. There's a connection yeah. between these two previously unconnected people. So it was her. And then at that very second, it was like, beep. Well, our celebrity guests were very much in agreement with you. Yeah. Because when we came back, they had forgotten all about all the other contestants. Yeah, they were just... Po- yeah, all of the other suspects, they her. were just zeroed in on Mrs. White. Yeah. Much to, to the chagrin, it has to be said, of the studio audience, who were very much on her side. Yeah. Every, every time she was fingered what? as... as every <laughs> time she was fingered as the suspect... What? <laughs> Every every time they let's let's say pointed the finger at Mrs. White, there was a howl of derision from the studio audience. John McKellar, where was it done? What was it done with? Kitchen. Kitchen. <laughs> keen on this kitchen, yeah. Yes, we're dead keen on the kitchen. And steel, steel sharpener. sharpener was the weapon. And Mrs. White. Yeah. Just tell me why. Even why? though she had done it, and it was quite clear to everyone that she'd done it, and it turned out that she had in fact. Spoiler alert. She had, in fact, done it in the kitchen with the sharpening steel, which, frankly, is a terrible way to go. It's sort of a midpoint between blunt force trauma and sharp force trauma. Yeah. I mean, if somebody... I mean, what did she do with it? You, you don't see. You don't see if whether she conked him on the nut with it or whether she thrust it through his abdomen. I kind of hope it was the former... Because the latter must have been a very agonising and awful. Yeah. Sharpening steels are not, by their very definition, sharp. They are an instrument for sharpening. Maybe she sharpened him. (laughs) At least she didn't tenderise him. That would have been. Yeah, well, it's possible. 
I mean, that actually would have made more sense as a murder weapon. If she bludgeoned him with the meat tenderizer, she would have been covered in his blood. That is true. She runs out into the hallway covered in his blood going, Oh, Mr Humphreys. It was a stupid choice of weapon because she had easy access to the rap, which, you know, Professor Plum was going liberally dashing around the house. So yeah. that could have thrown lots of people off the scent, but, you know, she wasn't thinking that. I think she just she got her hackles up, didn't she? There was some uh, there was some class based shenanigans that suddenly fired synapses in her brain. Yeah. Well, they're all alike that sort, aren't they? Born with a silver spoon in the mouth, think they can go on forever taking people for a ride. They're greedy and arrogant, and they're patronising. Oh yes, we came into the kitchen to see me below stairs. They called it. Well, I told him that I'd invested my life savings in that scheme of his, and it was all right for him to give the others a chance to get their money back, but what about me? I'd lost everything. And do you know what he said? He said he couldn't care less about a piddling little amount like that, and he just laughed. That's when I did it. little amount was everything I had in the world and I'd lost it all because of him and all he could do was laugh well he won't laugh again I've seen to that there was no punishment because in the second episode she will be back again yeah no jail time served what clues do you think we missed in those two minutes that absolutely zeroed in because you as you said you you already pretty much had her nailed on it, it seemed so clear from the point at which she yeah. said that she'd lost her savings i was like well okay yeah well i mean the other the other in this uh, in this weird version of justice <laughs> the other the other people i mean the other the other motives reverend green had sunk twenty thousand pounds that had been given to him by mrs peacock to for a commemorative window yeah Frankly, when he found out that he'd lost it all, he couldn't believe it. No. <laughs> um, Rula Lenska had obviously, you know, possibly she's going to lose her house. Colonel Mustard has been blackmailed. I think the um, the most interesting one was Dave, David McCallum, Professor Plum, who was outraged when he found out that the brilliant investment opportunity was something that he'd invented yes his idea the thing that he'd invented was a cross compatibility software for all computers there's there's one thing to have an idea like wouldn't it be great if every plug fitted in every hole in the world yeah, so, well, yeah I mean, it would be is... great yeah yeah that was right well that was my idea yeah, well, the thing is that I'm almost certain that if this guy stole the program that did this amazing thing, let's say that like what he's invented is the internet. Yeah, that's kind of what they're implying, isn't it? You know. Well, it's that kind of uh, world-changing idea because that it? sort of thing was kind of taken start just starting to take off in 1991. You had. People connecting through bulletin boards and what have you in America by that point. It wasn't widely known, but 
I can see how in 1991 somebody would have would have understood that. So yeah. what they've done is, yeah, they've taken this massive invention. Well, I'm pretty certain that legally speaking, if somebody steals it and then patents it, and the patent would be invalid in terms of ownership if it was easily established that the person who'd registered the patent had stolen it. I'm fairly well, certain yeah. that if it went to court... I think it would probably end up in a civil court to start with. And that if yeah. you have this shady investor guy and the professor from the university and you stood them both in a dock in front of a judge, the judge would find in favour of the professor because he'd ask him questions about what this thing actually was and the professor would be able to tell him and the shady property developer investor or whatever he was would not. To have any claim, legitimate claim, to it, he's got to demonstrate how it works. That's how patents work. You know, you have to have, like, a working schematic of it. You can't just say, oh, I think one day cars are going to go in the air. Hang on a minute, that was and, my idea. <laughs> yeah, and just send it off to the patent office, and then any time in the future that somebody develops a car that can go in the air, I get £500. It it just it doesn't work like that. I will be visiting more episodes of this. I, I think sure. I probably will as well. Actually, I was in fact I finished watching it. Uh, the episode at about it was about five past eight, and we recalled our podcast at half past eight. And I was like, oh god, I could just about fit another one in. Yeah, well, and then I was true. like, that's a really bad idea to try and do that right now. Well, yeah, and but then I was late anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> and then you were even later. Yeah, I was watching Cluedo. Um, <laughs> <You> motherfucker. <laughs> um, I've, I mean, of all the series, I think that series three is probably my my favourite. I mean, yeah, it's got Richard Madeley, but actually, I think Richard Madeley is weirdly a slightly better host for this program. Chris Tarrant obviously has a certain amount of um, disdain for it. Yeah. Richard Madeley, I think, uh, treats it a little bit more seriously, as if Richard Madeley possibly believes that all of the people are real. And this is a I and this is a real murder put case. It past him, would you? It must have been so much fun. This is no holds barred, Cluedo. You whatever weapon you want, you can have. Well, yeah, I mean, like I say, you know, I'm always down for the snooker ball in a cell. In one of the episodes in season two, I think somebody's killed with a funeral urn. Nice. But yeah, snooker ball in a sock. Or even better than that, snooker ball in a Johnny. I don't know whether that would be structurally sound. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, they have to make them fairly strong. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I... One of them World War One ones, you know, oh, Geronimo. Yeah. Geronimo. <laughs> <laughs> Search YouTube for it. That's a generation test, if ever yeah. there was one. If you know, if you know what Geronimo was, yeah. if you know what Geronimo is, then welcome to our world. Yeah. It's an object. <laughs> um. But you enjoyed, you enjoyed Cluedo. I you really said last week it. that you didn't think you would. 
Yeah, I, I didn't. Um, as a rule, uh, I don't like very much early 90s stuff. It's not quite far enough away to be interesting. You know, I was an adult by this time, bear in mind. Well, yeah. um, It's not so far away as to be interesting. It's not present enough to be contemporary. It kind of it's, it's the netherworld where things are starting to kind of look modern and contemporary, but they're really, really definitely not at the same time. I also think the clothes that they wear are fucking diabolical, and I thought they were at the time. To be fair to all of these people, and sartorially, in a couple of months' time, this is going to be 30 years old. Yeah, that, like, yeah, old. I know that's the thing. That's the thing is that there's this, the early '90s stuff. I know it's a really long way away, but it really isn't to me. Well, no, I mean I remember watching these when they first went out and gobbling them up, and they were on ITV, which yeah. you know I didn't watch ITV because I'm a total snob, <laughs> and I was a total snob when I was eleven. Yeah, but you are now. I am now. I was then. And people don't change. But ITV Cluedo, yeah, give me some of that. That was Cluedo. I commend yeah. it to the house. Yeah, I commend. I commend. I commend program. it to the house as well. I can't guarantee that the guests in every single episode are going to be to your taste, but I think that a good enough number of them will be to justify. Well, in other episodes in in this second series, you'll be seeing Claire Rayner. Okay. There's one episode, I think it's the second episode of the series, the winning team is comprised of Gabby Roslin and Frank Boff. Now, where else are you going to get Gabby Roslin and Frank Boff teaming up to solve a murder? (laughs) I've got an answer. I've got an answer. (laughs) Yeah, well. Although, to be fair, that would very, very, very liable Gabby Roslin. Well, and we wouldn't want that because, you know, no, you everybody, I mean, you Gabby wouldn't. Roslin is, she's in the Matthew Kelly class. Of, yeah, I don't, know, I don't want to be, you know. The Untouchables. The, yeah. Which doesn't interest Frank Boff at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's talk about creamy centres before creamy, the bricks start flying. Creamy, creamy centres. Yeah. Um. I'll tell you what I've been doing this week. I'll tell you what I've been doing this week. Is I've been I'd rather you told me what you would be watching on YouTube. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, very good. I've been watching a very lot of Match of the Day. On, a very uh, lot? Yeah, That's a very a lot. lot. Uh, I've been, it's uh, just a lot of old episodes. Well, they're all the they're all creeping on. I mean, how, how, what is the Match of the Day situation on YouTube? Obviously, it's deep, deep and strong. Almost every episode that still exists from 1964 to 1967 is definitely still on there. Uh, Mm. There are assorted peppered games from the late 60s. Um, Oddly, practically nothing from the 1970s. I'm not sure whether they were wiped. that's always or, a risk with the BBC. Um, but then they start appearing again in the early 80s, uh, from the early 80s. And I would say that probably not quite most, but a lot of episodes from throughout the 1980s up to 
the start of the Premier League era. Is, yeah, is, I was going to say, I'm there. surprised that uh, more teams haven't sort of done copyright strikes. But then, of course, football didn't start until 1992, did it? Ah, well, I, I happen to know uh, because I saw an interview with somebody about this. And I can't remember who it was, whether it was somebody from ITV or whether it was somebody from the Football League or the Football Association or the Premier League or whoever who said that we don't often go in for taking these down uh, because nobody knows exactly who owns the rights because it's too fucking complicated. Although they're they're not taking them down for what I consider to probably be the wrong reason. They actually do themselves no disservice by doing that because yeah i mean the uh, thing it's is, the, the same reason... it's the same with anything i mean it's if it's if if people have got it and and you put it on youtube you're going to get more interest for what you know what you're subsequently producing yeah, i don't for understand origi- for your original product yeah so that's what you, that's your creamy center this week is that's it? My loads and center. loads of match of the day loads and loads of match of the day uh, let me just have a quick look and i'll tell you who i caught up on i actually did this on saturday night really that's how my saturday night went well i mean this this saturday you can watch cluedo i watched the 18th of january 1986 which was Manchester United against Nottingham Forest was the featured game. Mm, good game. Uh, it was a good game, actually. The Road to Wembley 1994, and this Ooh. was actually the third round, 1994. I watched um, the FA Cup semi-final, 1980, between Everton and West Ham, and one from the 1982-83 season, which had the uh, which had Spurs against Nottingham Forest. Well... And I watched all of those in one day. <laughs> <laughs> because I am an animal. Well, it's true. Yeah. So what was yours? My Creamy Centre this week, well, as, as well as an episode of Who Done It, yeah. was I watched an instructional video made by BBC Scotland in 1990, Learn Snooker with Dennis Taylor. Oh, for God's sake. It was pretty interesting. I mean... I've now learnt how to play snooker up to Dennis Taylor's level. I'm now looking for the learn snooker with Steve Davis in order right. to improve. Okay, right. So, I mean, are you going to enter into next year's World Championship? Well, I mean... Because he did win it. And if you're as good as him... Well, it's that true. That means you should theoretically win the World Championship I think once. It's, it's arguable that snooker has possibly moved on quite a long way. Since Dennis Taylor, what do you won. mean? All you got to do is it a ball? Well, well you... it's moved on quite a long way. Well, I also watched this week the final frame of the 1985 World Championship final, and right. uh, I mean it, it wasn't of a stellar standard. I, I appreciate there was a certain amount of tension. Could you see how he did it, having watched the instructional? Uh, yeah, I could. I mean, he was talking about you know potting stuff and using side spin and all of those things were present in his victory there you go you're 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 picking it up already you you i mean i would say that you are probably now as good a snooker player as marco fu that's that's good to know and uh, the thing is that repeat watchings will help you yeah that's true to improve so my advice 
is watch that episode if it is the only one that's on YouTube. Yes, yeah, I think it's it was a, a a standalone video. I mean, it's t- it's about two hours long. Yeah, it's all right. Okay, so watch it at least six times a day. Okay, I can do that yeah. for the next month. And then, and then when the lockdown ends, I'll go around your house and you'll be wearing a pair of glasses upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking oh. in a Northern Irish accent. Yeah, it'll be a bonus for us all. <laughs> wearing a wearing a tuxedo. The other thing I've watched on YouTube this week, which I think everyone should watch, it's only a minute long. It might be my favourite thing on YouTube ever. Okay. Replacing the one where the dog is having sex with another dog and then halfway through it is sick and then starts eating the sick. Yeah. That, that used to be my favourite. Yeah. But, but now, now, my favourite YouTube video of all time is called Epic Fart Shuts Up Wife. I have seen this video because you sent it to me. And, God, it, I, honestly, I spent it some t- I I had a, a night of insomnia because I just couldn't stop laughing. You're a strange boy, aren't you? Well, <laughs> the thing I loved about, the thing I loved about, about that video, and will always love about the video, is, first of all, she is understandably outraged, and rightly so. And he is like a child. And his only thought, not, oh, better try and placate my furious wife. His only thought is, oh, I wonder if that's come out on the dashboard camera. (laughs) (sighs) I'll probably include the sound in this because it's so funny. (sighs) It's because, well, they're not saying she's got it. They suspect it. She's got the symptoms. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Don't you shit your bastard pants. Oh, oh, oh. oh God, I've got to see if that's on. <laughs> Chris. Fuck off. <laughs> He is a hero. <laughs> I'm sorry. You are a monster. Ah, oh, it's the funniest thing yeah. I've ever seen. And right. it doesn't it doesn't involve people eating sick or dogs eating sick. Right. Yeah, Let's... right then. Next week. Next week. I have um, no idea what you've chosen. You don't. You have no idea whatsoever, do you? But next week I'm going for the jugular because oh, I think it's God. time to wrestle you to the ground. Okay. Quite frankly, right. and next week we're going for Shangalang. Oh, nineteen seventy-six, the first episode Fucking of the Bay hell, City man. Rollers TV spectacular series, which wow. came about just as they were really, just as their decline was really starting to pick up pace. You'll know the second I finish watching it because a brick will come through yeah. the fucking living room window and I'll have done a poo on it. <laughs> Why would you do that? Well, <laughs> to do a I think, poo I on think it. you know because well, clearly you've seen Shangalang. Well, I have seen <laughs> Shangalang and I don't think you're going to go. Not in the snow, you're not. I know you. Well, no. You're not going to You're not going to travel. 13 miles to put a brick through my window on account of Shangalang. In, mi- in the middle of a pandemic. In the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> Unprecedented yeah. pandemic I, um, in the snow yeah. to do a shit on a brick. 
and then throw it through my window. There's a man in the street having a shit on a brick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should probably That's, call the that'll police. That'll be because of Shangalang. We should probably call the police. Oh, dear. Anyway, right. That's us done. Yeah, let's go and watch week. more Cluedo. Let's go and watch more Cluedo. We'll be back again then. Well, <laughs> well I, I will. Except me. All except for me. Because I'll be in intensive care. <laughs> <laughs> Having been hit on the head by a shitty brick. And snooker ball in a sock <laughs> with his shit on it. <laughs> and a man dressed as... <laughs> There's a man outside. And I'm sure... He's dressed as Dennis Taylor. <laughs> and he's, What's he doing? He's, do you know Geronimo? <laughs> Cut. <laughs> right, that's it. We're out of here. Same time next week. Thanks very much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.